There's no doubt in my mind that for a successful society and a successful economy, we need tertiary participation to grow, both in higher education and vocational education. And, you know, that is going to need some policy interventions to make that happen. And they should grow in ways in which there is greater synergy and complementarity between these two sectors. Hello, and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. In this episode, I talked with Professor Peter Dawkins, AO, the Vice-Chancellor and President of Victoria University. Peter has held this role since 2011 and previously held senior positions in the Victorian Public Service, including Deputy Secretary of the Department of Treasury and Finance and Secretary of the Department of Education and Early Childhood Development. He was Curtin University's first Professor of Economics from 1990 to 95 and the Ronald Henderson Professor and Director of the Melbourne Institute of Applied Economic and Social Research at the University of Melbourne from 1996 to 2005. We spoke about a range of issues including the innovative teaching approach called the Block Model and the broader challenges and opportunities facing the tertiary education system in Australia. I was particularly pleased to speak with Peter following the excellent symposium and round table that Victoria University's Sir Zelman Cowan Centre and Mitchell Institute hosted recently on the role of universities in the 2020s. KPMG was a proud supporter of this timely and interesting event. Here's the interview. Peter, welcome to Talking Tertiary and thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for having me, Stephen. I'm going to focus on the future of the tertiary sector as you see it and as you would like to see it. But before that, I'd like to discuss your own institution, Victoria University, and a specific initiative that's attracted considerable attention, the block teaching method or model. What is it and in what sense is it innovative? Well, we introduced it, first of all, in our first year teaching because we thought that the first year students weren't doing as well as they should be doing, that there was too high an attrition rate, that there were too high failure rates. And we were very determined that we could support our first-year students to complete their studies and be successful to a greater extent than they were. So we scoured the world for the best way to provide a supportive, interactive form of teaching with our students who, in the traditional model, we felt were sort of getting lost a bit, turning up to big lectures, a strange environment, especially for students at Victoria University, which are from very diverse backgrounds, students from from low socioeconomic backgrounds, students from migrant backgrounds, students that perhaps don't have the same supports at home that many other students do across the system. And we discovered this thing called block teaching, which occurs in a number of small universities in North America and is quite prevalent in Scandinavia. And under this method, students do one subject at a time and they typically do it in small groups, not in large lecture environments. So what we've done, and we're now extending it across the whole university, started off in first year, but it's worked so well there that we're now doing it in second year, then third year, then postgraduate. We're also going to do it across our vocational education and training, is that each student does one subject at a time. In undergraduate studies, that 
is a four-week block. I just taught one myself, an economics block, and the students meet with the staff member for three three-hour teaching sessions in a week for four weeks, enables them to complete a full subject that normally takes a whole semester because it's intensive study when you're there only studying that subject. And they're doing it in these small groups. So we've abolished lectures. Uh There's a lot of digital learning materials that they can use on the learning management system. Ideally, they do reading before they come to class. Then we go through topics with them, but mainly in a problem-solving way, interactively, group discussions rather than the traditional lecture. And so that's the model, and it's having a fantastic impact on the students. Yeah, about the impact. I mean, I've read some things in the media that the early evidence is... Positive success rate, progression rates are looking good. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. So we've cut our failure rates roughly in half. We've cut our attrition rates in half. So progression rates have gone up dramatically. And it's not only students passing, it's also students achieving high distinctions Uh and, and, and distinctions more than they were before using very similar methods of assessment. So we're very confident that we're using exactly the same quality standards and it's leading to much higher caliber student outcomes. So yeah, the evidence is extraordinary. I was expecting it to improve student outcomes, but it's had an absolutely dramatic impact that's very, very pleasing. Well, you're the professor of economics and I'm not, but it sounds more expensive than a traditional large lecture method. Is it sustainable? Look, in one sense, it's more resource intensive than the traditional method, but we've introduced it in a way that has actually meant that it's a more viable model than the old one. I mean, it's partly because retention rates have gone up and if you lose students, that doesn't help the economics of an organisation. But we've also, at the same time, rationalised our offer of subjects. So many universities tend to run small classes in subjects where there are very few students. So you get this fairly long tail of courses where there aren't many students in the class. So we abandoned those. So that made us more economic, which gave us a basis for doing this. We've also, when we introduced it in first year, we actually established a new college, a first year college. And we hired people who were largely dedicated teachers. They're called academic teaching scholars. And those teachers teach more hours a week than the traditional teaching and research staff. And so there were some changes in the workforce, some changes in our course offers that meant that this has proved to be a very efficient way of teaching as well as a very effective one. Well, now let's turn to the sector at large and I guess there's the is and the ought there's the pathway that tertiary education is currently on and the pathway that people with different views would like to see it on let's start with the is and what's your analysis of the current state of the tertiary sector and where it's heading well we've been through a period of course of the so-called demand-driven system in higher education which enabled a huge expansion in the offer of higher education and in some ways Victoria University was at the forefront of that because it meant more and more people were studying higher education than ever before. More students who traditionally wouldn't have done because they come from poorer backgrounds, they perhaps haven't been quite as successful at school, but still have the potential to achieve higher education and more of those students that need additional support have been coming into the system and so we've, in a sense, been at the forefront of that agenda, and I think that's been a good thing. But having said that, at the same time, vocational education training, which is a very important part of the tertiary system, has been in decline. And so we've, on the one hand, seen this growth of higher education, and on the other hand, a decline in vocational education. The thing that I've always argued ever since I took up this role at Victoria University, which is a dual sector university with both higher education and vocational education, is we need a stronger connectedness between 
those two sectors. It was being a dual sector university that particularly attracted me to Victoria University. I think there's a great future for dual sector universities, provided we properly organise, properly fund and properly regulate the two sectors and make them complementary. So now we're in a situation, of course, in which the demand-driven system has been, in a sense, stopped in higher education and funding is kept. So we're not expecting to see such a strong growth in higher education in the future. But the decline in vocational education hasn't really been arrested. Right. So this paints a serious problem for the future because there's no doubt in my mind that for a successful society and a successful economy, we need tertiary participation to grow, both in higher education and vocational education. And, you know, that is going to need some policy interventions to make that happen. And they should grow in ways in which there is greater synergy and complementarity between these two sectors so that any student from any background can do a tertiary education, whether it be vocational education or higher education or some combination of the two. The last few words of that response were ones I was going to Mm -hmm. raise with you anyway about some combination of the two. It is hard. I've tried to embed a certificate for in a bachelor's Mm -hmm. degree and so on. That wasn't in a dual sector university, admittedly. But why couldn't we look at a future where someone comes and does three or four years of tertiary education and choose from higher education and vocational That's exactly what I think should happen. It will require probably some reforms to the Australian Qualifications Framework. It will require some reforms to our funding model. But I'm absolutely convinced that the critical issue is supporting students to achieve the skills and capabilities that they need to be successful in work and in life, and that vocational education and higher education have both got things to offer. And students ought to be able to package together practical subjects from vocational education. It might be learning about artificial intelligence or robotics, for example, which may be very useful as a complement to doing a business degree. There are all sorts of ways in which you ought to be able to mix and match vocational and higher education. It could be in a fairly traditional way of pathwaying from vocational education to higher education, doing a vocational education diploma, which then gives you credit into a degree. But ideally, it would go beyond that to being able to have qualifications that are jointly designed between vocational and higher education providers. So that's our aspiration at Victoria University, and we hope that policies will change to make that work. And it's not as if that which is higher education is defined somewhere else up in the clouds and this is an Australian distinction, other countries have different distinctions and so on. So making them more interoperable, interchangeable, wouldn't put us out of step, I think, with the rest of the world. No, and of course a lot of higher education is vocational. Yeah, quite. You know, in professions, for example, in nursing and in teaching, in medicine, of course, they are very vocational. But they have tended to be driven in a sort of an academic way through sort of inquiry, research-based learning, and vocational education has been more sort of competency-based. And I think higher education has got a lot to learn from vocational education in preparing people for the world of work. And vocational education has got something to learn from higher education in terms of developing broader capabilities. Now, we don't want the two things to be exactly the same, but they should be less chalk and cheese, more coherent and more in common, and then being able to to do bits from each. I once suggested to a dean of medicine that his discipline was actually a vet discipline, but his answer isn't suitable for the tender ears of talking tertiary <laughs> listeners, I think it's fair to say. So um, the future, a rebalancing, let's say, of higher and vocational education, increase in participation rate. What other trends or priorities would you like to see adopted in policy? I think the connection with 
industry is critical now. Both vocational and higher ed, particularly vocational, of course, have always been connected with industry and higher education has gone more and more in that direction. And Victoria University was a pioneer, for example, in work integrated learning, which has some similarities to the sort of apprenticeship model, I suppose. There are things in common between the two. You know, the idea of higher apprenticeships that might have degree qualifications. We have to see this connection between the world of work and the world of universities as being much closer because really in the traditional view of universities, it was an elite thing that academic elite people did and then maybe some of them went and worked in industry afterwards. Whereas now we're talking about a world in which pretty well everybody has to do a tertiary education. So it's a big industry in its own right and it means that most people will be going through vocational or higher education, but at the same time, they've got to be well prepared for work. So we do have to work closer and closer with industry to make this possible. And this packaging up of higher ed and vocational ed to prepare people for the world of work is something we need to do in collaboration and with support of industry. And the same thing applies in research policy as well. You know, our new minister is asking for us to work more closely with industry, and that's exactly what we should do. Well, a final question, Peter. It's a more sort of a general summing up At the excellent event on the 30th of August, I think the panel of vice-chancellors was asked something like, do you think the sector is in crisis? And I think the general response was, no, there are some challenges, but it's not in crisis. So I thought I'd put you on the spot and ask for your assessment of the current state of the sector. Oh, look, I don't think it's in crisis. And of course, it has grown substantially. And in many ways, it's been flourishing. The capping of the funding is a challenge, but if we think about what we've been talking about in this discussion around creating this broader tertiary sector, the opportunity exists to build on the demand-driven system, to refine it, to bring the vocational element in, and to take this participation in tertiary education even further onwards and upwards. But uh, look, unless we do make some policy changes that move us in that direction, there is the potential for a crisis emerging Because, you know, in the 2020s, there's going to be a big growth in school EVA population, for example. I'm feeling this particularly strongly in the west of Melbourne, where Victoria University is based. So the outer west of Melbourne, Wyndham and Melton, the population growth is massive. And we have to find a way of supporting them to be in tertiary education or else there's going to be serious social and economic challenges out there. But, you know, the crisis is not here yet. We've just got to work over the next two or three years to prevent it coming. Well, I'll settle for the potential of a crisis. <laughs> Absolutely, that's, that's <laughs> thank what you... you. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for coming and talking with me about Victoria University and also about the sector at large, drawing on your wealth and long background of experience in tertiary education. Thanks very much, Stephen. It's a pleasure. Well, that was my conversation with Peter Dawkins. We talked about the innovative block teaching method or model that in higher education, Victoria University has been rolling out across its undergraduate program. And then we moved on to talk about some of the challenges and priorities that the tertiary sector faces and should adopt in policy. You can listen to other episodes in this season on our website, kpmg.com slash au slash Talking Tertiary, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary. Talking Tertiary.